This is Apathy Hour. Today on Apathy Hour, we read stories from Life Pro Tip, Anti Work, R Slash, Am I the Asshole, True Off My Chest, Dating, Marriage, Parenting, and You Should Know. Let's begin. Starting off with your Life Pro Tip, posted by user Always the Cop. Just a reminder, don't throw your old laptops away just because they are old and sluggish. Install an SSD. My grandma has had her laptop for 10 years and recently it's been very slow and sluggish. And a family member who is techie told her, yeah, it's no good now. Just throw it away and get a new one and recommended her a 399 pound laptop. Obviously, when I heard this yesterday when visiting, I was like, hell no and told her I would take it home and return it tomorrow. It's an ancient two-core Intel with four gigabytes of DDR3 and 500 gigabyte HDD with Windows 7. I took it home, removed the hard drive, and stuck a spare 250 gigs solid-state drive in there instead. They cost 20 pounds online, installed Windows 10, and it was like new. Nice, quick, and snappy, and perfect for her to do her Facebook, Messenger, and pay bills. Took it back to her today, and she was amazed. She said it's faster than when she got it 10 years ago and was over the moon. She saved 299 pounds because of that stupid family member's recommendation. And if you want even more performance, and you see that your laptop has another RAM slot, another cheap 4GB RAM stick would do even more wonders. I had none lying around, but even with the 4 gigabytes it had, it was more than good enough for her usage. The same goes for old desktops as well. That's a solid tip, and I did a similar thing with one of my wife's old laptops that she was gifted by a neighbor, where it was sluggish, it had Windows 7, I think, on it, I don't, I don't remember. It was just really old and slow, and I completely reformatted the hard drive and just installed Linux on it, and good to go, working like new. Moving on to a story from r slash anti-work, posted by user the underscore rainbowfish. Another case of a boss thinking they own your time. I resigned from a job I had for two years at a small family-owned company with a single boss slash owner. Boss and I got on well for most of my time there, and I was the only employee. One other employee at the time resigned. I would have liked to think that he was a friend that happened to also be my boss. I liked the job, but was underpaid, plus I wanted to switch careers, so when I got another job offer, I decided to leave. My contract stated a two-week notice period was required. Immediately after handing notice, the boss says, Okay, two weeks won't be enough time. You'll need to stay until I found a replacement and you've trained them. I was a little shocked by this, but stated that I was only required to give two weeks and would be happy to train someone during that time. Then he had to take a call and wave me off. We didn't talk about it for about a week. And when I asked when he would be hiring a replacement, he said, I haven't started advertising yet. You're going to need to stay for at least three weeks after I hire someone to train them. I told him that my last day was next week, as stated in my notice letter. He once again brushed me off and went off to do something else. We haven't talked about it again, and the last day of my notice is tomorrow. No replacement has been hired, and I'll be leaving anyway. 
The fact that he has blatantly ignored my notice period and assumes I'll wait around until he's hired someone has completely ruined the relationship. Thanks for reading my rant. Just needed to vent this out. And then down in the comments, user Jedi Shark replied, My last boss did this. I was asked by her boss to give three weeks as I was a department manager and needed to transition and train others on some of my duties. I agreed. He said my boss would follow up. Spend the next three weeks waiting for her to come to me with what she needed. Spent that time writing up instructions and how to do things to be helpful since I knew she wasn't going to come to me. She was uber bitter I was quitting. On my last day, the woman that was taking on most of my role came to me with a question and was shocked and grateful I had written up all these instructions. My boss told her I was refusing to help, like I'd stay for three weeks if I didn't want to help. At that point, I grabbed my box of personal stuff and left. In both stories, I couldn't agree more. It makes more sense to do what you need to do for whatever's going to be best for yourself moving forward. Regardless, the company will take care of themselves regardless of what you do or how you handle things. So you got to take care of you as well. Moving on to r slash am I the asshole, a story posted by user Eric Throw 3976. Am I the asshole for refusing to pay the babysitter for new glasses after my daughter broke her old ones? I'll preface this by saying that I'm a 35-year-old male and I'm a widower with two kids, ages 9 and 11. I recently got back to work. Since I work night shifts, I had to get the kids a babysitter. They're at school during the day and my sister stays with them. I was able to find a babysitter with the help of a coworker, actually they're related, and things have been going pretty well except for a few days ago. The babysitter called me while I was at work to tell me that my nine-year-old daughter broke her glasses. I got home, heard both sides of the story, and came to the conclusion that it was in fact an accident. But the babysitter said my daughter broke them intentionally after she refused to let her outside late in the evening. I asked my 11-year-old daughter, and she said the babysitter's story is accurate, but since she and her sister have a beef, then I figured she lied to set her sister up. My 9-year-old daughter cried and said that she didn't mean it and it was an accident. I apologized to the babysitter for the misunderstanding, but she insisted there was no misunderstanding and then asked me to pay for her a new pair of glasses. I was taken aback by her request and told her I thought we talked this out and ruled it out as an accident, but she insisted it wasn't an accident. I apologized but refused and said it was unfair to expect me to pay, especially since she didn't pay attention to keep her glasses safe regardless of whether it was an accident or not. The babysitter argued with me, then started crying and swearing that my daughter broke them to get back at her. My 11-year-old daughter sided with her, but my 9-year-old said she is only siding with the babysitter for her own benefits. The girl started fighting, and I ended up telling the babysitter to leave. She got my co-worker involved, and she said I should take responsibility and pay the babysitter for new glasses since she cannot afford them being a broke college student and in need of glasses. I apologized, but refused to pay. My co-worker got upset and shamed me for condoning my younger daughter's actions and treating the babysitter poorly when she's the victim in this situation. It's been days 
and the babysitter is still wanting me to pay for new glasses, but I feel like she's trying to use the fact that I'm in dire need of help and is hoping to get extra money out of my pocket. So am I the asshole? Before I read a few of the comments, I'll give my opinion first by saying yes, you are the asshole in this situation. The babysitter came to help you and take care of your daughters. Regardless of how it happened, her glasses got broke, one of your daughters did it, you should help pay for her new glasses. Because why not? It's the right thing to do in this situation. Your daughter may have been at fault, maybe it was an accident even, but regardless, it's a situation where you should take responsibility for the actions of your children and just pay for it. Or get your daughter to pay for it if she has any allowance or savings of some kind because she was the one at fault for breaking them, as mentioned. Now, it makes no sense to punish the babysitter who's there to help you in this situation, regardless of whether it was an accident or intentional, because your daughter was still at fault in that case, in this situation, for breaking it. So you should be the one on the hook for paying for the new pair of glasses. Don't be an asshole. Just buy new glasses for her. And down in the comments... User BeautifulConcern144 responded, You're the asshole. It doesn't actually matter if it was an accident or not. Your child broke her glasses, so you need to pay to replace them. And user GoodGirlsGrace responded as well, Yes, regardless of intention, her glasses are now broken because of his daughter. Just because she didn't mean it doesn't mean it has no consequences. OP you're the asshole, and massively. I asked my 11-year-old daughter, and she said the babysitter story is accurate, but since she and her sister have a beef, then I figured she lied to set her sister up. This wrecks of favoritism. Two out of three people told the same story, and you chose to believe the other one? Your children should be equally credible in other situations, and the 11-year-old is even more credible here because the babysitter backed up her story. There's no basis for you to make that conclusion besides the fact that you obviously consider your youngest the golden child. I apologized but refused and said it was unfair to expect me to pay, especially since she didn't pay attention to keep her glasses safe, regardless of whether it was an accident or not. So it's her fault that your child broke it? Regardless of whether it was an accident or not, she shouldn't have to foresee the kid's tantrums. And you stated, I feel like she's trying to use the fact that I'm in dire need of help and is hoping to get extra money out of my pocket. Or maybe she's just a broke college student whose glasses, a medical accessory needed for seeing, your daughter damaged. OP, you're being a horrible father to both your children. You obviously favor your youngest over her sister, which I assume is a pattern and not just because it saves you money. Why are you so quick to assume that she's lying when her sister has a much more obvious and valid motive to lie? You're teaching the nine-year-old some dangerous lessons. What your actions indicate is that not only does damaging others' property, even accidentally, which I doubt, have no consequences, lying will also be tolerated as long as it serves you. Not good lessons to teach a nine-year-old, are they? I couldn't have said it any better myself. Our next story comes from r slash true off my chest posted by user throwaway lt22 caught my neighbor cheating on her husband of 20 years and i told him about it i tend to stay up during the nights and last monday 
I caught a man leaving our neighbor's house at 5 a.m. This happened three days in a row. Her husband is a pilot, so he's gone most of the time. Plus, I got a good look at the man leaving the house, and it wasn't her husband. I've lived next to them for six years, and the husband has always been super nice to me. He even used to give me math classes before I graduated high school, and he is generally a cool dude. I made a fake Facebook profile and messaged him about it. I told him that a man had been leaving their house every morning and that he should ask his wife about it. Turns out I was right. My dad and him are good friends, so he confided in my dad earlier this evening. He told my dad that he had confronted his wife with messages claiming she was cheating when he got home. Apparently, she cracked and told him everything. The husband kicked her out earlier today while I was gone. She went to live with her sister who lives not far. No one knows that it's me who told them about it, and it'll most likely stay that way. It could be anyone in the neighborhood. I know I should mind my own business, but I got cheated on in my previous relationship, so I can't stand cheaters. I don't feel bad at all. I don't really have any personal comment or response about the action of actually telling the husband about the wife cheating. I mean, if you were neighbors and you guys were, you have a good relationship, it makes sense that you might want to share that information and help your friend if you consider him a friend. However, you're not in their relationship. You don't know what their relationship dynamic is. That's why I can't really comment personally on how that is. I will say, though, I'm sure that your neighbor appreciates the fact that you did share so that he has a heads up on what's going on with that relationship because I'm sure that he may have had some type of suspicions. And just getting that message and that confirmation when she was able to confirm it too, I'm sure it helped bring some peace of mind so he can hopefully find someone that really does want to be with him and appreciate the relationship they have. Down in the comments, user Lowkey Pony responded, When we first moved into our property, there was a couple two doors down that seemed perfect. She was running a home daycare out of the house, He would leave around 7 a.m. Kids would start getting dropped off around 7.30-ish. The property was immaculately kept. They had a pool off a deck in the backyard and always had people over on the weekends. Then one day he came back about an hour after he left that morning. Turns out she had informed the parents that she had an appointment that day and wouldn't be open. He walked in and found her with one of the daycare dads. Thing is, he couldn't get mad at her because he had been banging one of the moms. Within a year, they were divorced, and the house was on the market. According to neighbors that have been in the neighborhood longer than we have, not one sane person, couple, or family has lived in that house. Moving on to r slash dating, posted by user a lost soul one Do guys get offended when women insinuate they expect the guy to pay? I was talking to a guy on Coffee Meets Bagel who asked me to come over before I even went on a first date with him, and I told him I wasn't going to do that when I hadn't met him yet. He said he understood, and then I said I liked tea, so he could buy me a tea with an emoji in the end. He then asked if I expected him to pay for it and was offended. I know there was there are some girls who only go on dates just to have guys pay for them, But a tea is so inexpensive and this guy has issues with paying for that. I meant it to be playful and just said it so I could get to know him if I were to go back to his place. But apparently he was not okay with it and then made it clear he didn't want to see me. I am the kind of person who always asks to split after a first date, but do find it nice when a guy offers to pay. 
Am I crazy for thinking this is a jerk move since he's the one that asked me to come over in the first place? Or do guys take offense when a girl expects him to pay for something as cheap as tea? I'm going to give my opinion and take it with a grain of salt because it literally is just my opinion. But I would think that if a guy is interested in somebody and he's trying to do the gentleman thing, he would go into the date with the expectation that he's likely going to have to pay at some point. And that's all fair. If a woman wants to um, insinuate that she needs to pay or that he needs to pay something for her, it depends on what kind of relationship they have or whether or not it's being forced upon him. But it, in this kind of situation where she's showing interest in meeting up and wanting to get to know him, and I'm not sure if it was genuinely, I mean, it really didn't even sound like you were insinuating that he needed to pay for that tea, but when it really comes down to it, it's tea. So if he really had an interest in getting to know you and not just meeting a hookup or something like that, going for a tea shouldn't be a problem. So I think there may be some more to the story or details on his end, issues that you probably dodged the bullet for. So I wouldn't worry about it. I don't think most guys would get so offended about just trying to uh, get you to pay for a tea form or a coffee. Down in the comments, we have a response from user SunnysideUp99. It's not about the money, but the expression of consideration. In my experience, most men are happy to pay when a woman makes it clear she doesn't expect it because it shows she is thinking of them. Conversely, they don't tend to respond well to women who make it clear they expect to be paid for because such a stance shows the woman is thinking largely of herself and how her turning up apparently warrants her being paid for alone, rather than showing she is thinking of the guy. Now, given a date is supposed to be a situation where you're meeting another person and showing interest in them, setting an initial impression of this is about me, not you, is not a great start for most. So unless the guy makes it clear from the bat that he will pay, it's probably wise not to indicate you expect him to. I've always indicated I've been prepared to pay for the first date, etc., and I've only had to split on a very small amount of them. Most of the time, the guy thanks for the gesture and insists on paying. Our next story comes from r slash marriage, posted by user shy shy is fly. I'm tired of being married to a 15 year old. Today started off of all days with him, a 28 year old male, saying that he was going over his friend's house to drink and play video games on Sunday. That's something that he does almost every Sunday and for nine hours at a time. I'm a 26-year-old female and I'm supposed to stay home with the two-year-old without a car and take care of everything happily and with a smile like a Disney princess. I'm a stay-at-home mom and we have a single car and he works full-time. I don't have time or means of going and having any R&R time myself and it's annoying that he thinks that he can do whatever he wants when he wants no matter how it affects anyone else. So I asked him if he could at least ask to go over to his friend's house instead of just telling me he was going over. Then I had no say otherwise each and every time. That pissed him off. I just walked away to go lay down at that point because I wasn't going to fight with him on today of all days. He storms in the bedroom to ask what I'm doing, to which I explained that I just wanted to lay down and rest. I had been feeling sick all day. 
It was slightly out of spite because I usually push through regardless because there is so much that has to get done. I usually have to ask permission to lay down or nap, but I didn't to try and show him how he was making me feel. He slammed the door and left. I woke up thinking everything was fine and we were going to carry out with our plans and our little date for the night. Instead, he locked a toddler in the room and she was crying while he was playing video games. He said that he didn't want to do anything with me anymore and me complaining about his behavior all the time reminded him of his mother. I feel like he's a 15-year-old kid that wants nothing to do but to play video games and do whatever he wants all the time and screw everybody else. First of all, OP... I'm sorry you're dealing with this kind of situation with your husband. This is not how a marriage should work, or at least not how a happy marriage should work. I personally believe that marriage should be a partnership where you're actually helping each other and equally sharing the responsibilities of things. And granted, I love playing video games as well, but at the very same time, video games are not more important than my family or my spouse, and I could easily put that aside to help take the load off of her and whatever she's going through. And honestly, I love my wife more than I love video games. And so I love spending more time with her than I do the games that I enjoy. So it sucks to hear that you're dealing with this kind of thing. But also you mentioned something that really struck me. You said that you usually have to ask for permission in order to lay down or take a nap. And that kind of sounds like a form of abuse in some way, like some very controlling behavior or emotional abuse. I think it might be helpful to share this kind of information with family and tell the people in your life that might be able to help. Just be careful. Be safe. User Lordica down in the comments replied, 32 years and going strong. This is who he is. You can't afford to be a stay-at-home parent because you can't trust your future or your child's future to this selfish, thoughtless, careless person. It's time to go to work. Get a car and build a life independent of this person and then decide if they actually bring any value to your life. And another user, Bitter Researcher 759 replied, I was literally in her shoes once. My ex acted exactly like her husband, but he also beat me and cheated on me compulsively. We had one car, we shared a phone, I had a baby and no job skills. I got a job working fast food at a place within walking distance on the weekends, which forced him to stay with the baby so I could work because he work Monday through Friday. I did two 10-hour shifts and eventually started picking up weekend night shifts too. I bought a cheap car. Once I had a car, I found a better job and a babysitter so I could work during the day. I also enrolled in college and went back to school, got my degree, and then another better job. Then I left his abusive ass and this whole process took about four years from the time I made the choice to better myself to the point that I could support myself. But it is possible. This next story comes from r slash parenting, posted by user Chasm Spasms. She doesn't like my children because they are not her ideal of how children should behave. First, thank you for taking the time to read this. I'm a 33-year-old male dating a 28-year-old female. I have two children, 10 and 6-year-old boys. I'm divorced, and I have 50-50 custody of them with my ex-wife. My girlfriend and I have been a little rocky here and there, but mainly we are good, going on about six months now. Here recently, she has been avoiding being around me when I have my children. She finally explained why, and I'm not sure how to respond. Two months ago, she was over while I was working. I work from home. 
My children were over as well. My youngest grabbed a Nerf gun and kept sneak attacking her. I never saw this happening because I was focused on work and had my headphones on in a meeting. After a few minutes, all I notice is that she gets up and grabs a toy from him and walks out the door. She left and she blew up on me. I asked her why she did not discipline him by taking the toy after the first couple of shots. She eventually took it before she left, and she said it's up to me to discipline them, even though I told her I had no clue it was happening. We got into a big discussion about how she needs to discipline them, and she states if she were to discipline him, I would not like it because she would be harsh. Throwing a toy away, grounding, taking screen time away. I told her for an incident like that, all, she, all you have to do is tell him to stop, and if he doesn't, just take the toy away and tell him he doesn't need to be continuing when he's told to stop. I've done this countless times in the past and I've yet to have a problem with him doing something in the past good year or so that I had to escalate it beyond that resolution. She says that's not good enough. It needs to always come with stricter punishments. Fast forward a month, we are all at a restaurant and we're all cutting up, having a good time and my youngest throws a crayon out of play at my girlfriend. I immediately reprimand him, killing the mood at the table. Once we get home, he feels so bad that he goes to her to apologize. She begrudgingly accepts it because in her mind, I should have taken him to the bathroom and scolded him or gave him a whooping. But the fact remained, I stopped the behavior. He felt bad and apologized. To her, this was not good enough. Again, more needed to be done. Now, simply based on those two incidents and nothing more, she is telling me that she does not know if she can be with me because she feels his behavior is getting worse. She flat out told me she does not like being around us because of him. Personally, I feel like she is overthinking things. I tell her they are kids. They push limits. They test things. They get in trouble. She feels that he should know not to do those things and behave more like an adult child than a curious, playful child. Her standards are incredibly strict when it comes to children. She's insinuated in the past how I'm not a good father because I'm not raising them to be just perfect little children. She expects them to be very well-mannered and always polite. I told her I know my children aren't just perfect little children, but I didn't get a manual on how to be a single dad and raise children just perfectly as well as to overcome depression at the same time. I just don't know where to go from here. Edit, to everyone saying I'm using her as a babysitter, I understand where you're coming from, but the total time she has spent with me on my job while she is at my place with kids is less than two hours for the entire time we've been together. And the times I'm not on meetings, I'm watching out for them, while she plays on her phone on the couch right behind me, ignoring my children. I'm simply wondering why she did not stop a child from annoying her by trying to incite play. Before I read one of the top comments, I'll respond with my opinion about how I, it sounds to me like she doesn't have as much of an interest in having children around or wanting to be a parent at the moment. And that may be causing some conflict here because she feels that your parenting style may be different from the way that you're actually approaching it versus how she would usually approach it. And it's tough being in her position, not being the actual mother of the children, because she feels that it may not be her place to discipline the children, which is understandable. Now, at the same time, if you're granting permission for her to discipline the child, and as long as it's not too harsh or she's not doing something abusive, then you have to accept whatever form of uh, discipline she tries to implement and have that communication with her after the fact as well, if it's something different that you may not have agreed on. But at the same time, she may actually just be very strict in terms of how she would discipline your children. And if you're giving her the okay, you 
would have to accept the fact that you did give her the right to discipline your children. And if it's a little bit more harsh than you would think or expect, you have to accept that unless it's something abusive. Again, abuse is, of course, never okay. But if it's a stricter form of punishment than you would like it to be, give her the benefit of the doubt of knowing that she's not a parent or at least the parent of your children. And with that fact, you'd have to accept the fact that she isn't around them all the time. She doesn't know them and their personalities the way that you do. So they may just not get along very well. And so if she feels uncomfortable being around with that in mind, then you got to keep that in mind as well. She doesn't have to accept this relationship in the way that things are going. She has that freedom to move on and doesn't have to be a part of your life. She may be overreacting, maybe just a little bit, but yeah, it's her choice the same way it's your choice to have her around them. I don't blame the kids at all because they're kids and most likely they're just playing and like you said, pushing boundaries like kids do. For the most part, I think that she would be a little bit happier if she were able to find some form of way to play with them that's comfortable between all of you guys so that you guys can interact together instead of there being that conflict when they're probably just trying to give attention to her or play with her. Down in the comments, user Mida states that your girlfriend of six months should not be expected to discipline your child and your child should not be subject to discipline from a woman who has been in your life for only six months. Neither is fair to the other. If your girlfriend can't accept your children and the way you've chosen to discipline them, then she doesn't need to be your girlfriend anymore. Your boys don't need a whooping. I, a 45-year-old female, raised two boys to successful adulthood without a single whooping. It's excessive and unnecessary. Talk to your girlfriend, frankly. Tell her your children are not going to change their fundamental personalities for her comfort, just as you are not going to change your parenting style for the same reason. You and your boys are a package deal. If she doesn't like the package, she can walk away. And finally, you should know. This one is posted by user SurfRider. You should know that the symptoms of a heart attack may be quite different from what you would expect. You should know that the symptoms of a heart attack may be quite different from what you expect. I posted this a year or so ago and wanted to share it again because if I'd known earlier, I'd have gone to the ER much sooner. It's been about two years since my heart attack, but it's something I think about every day. Just yesterday, I read about someone who lost a loved one due to a cardiac event because the person didn't identify the stereotypical symptoms. You also don't need to be what people stereotype as the high-risk category or have had indicators or warnings that you could be at risk. The chest pain, arm pain, shoulder pain were there, but it may not be the type of pain you expect. I had waves of tightness dead center in my chest that would come and go every few minutes. It was a burning feeling. It was lower on my sternum than I'd have thought. I had never had a heart attack nor indigestion so naturally. I assumed it was the latter, and my research online convinced me it was. Felt almost like when you swallow way too much hot soup and it sort of burns in the center of your chest, but it would come and go. I assumed it would have been a sharper pain on my upper arm slash shoulder and a sharper, more acute pain closer to where we mistakenly generalize our heart to be, upper left chest. In fact, my symptoms were almost line by line identical to that of heartburn or indigestion. It wasn't, and the difference can be life or death. My arms hurt, but it was more of a burning pain on the back of both arms. Maybe felt more like a pinched nerve. They say it's predominantly in one arm. I felt some 
both. And because I didn't clearly have pain in one arm more than the other, I downplayed the possibilities of it being cardiac. Vomiting and sweating followed a few hours into it, which was the big red flag. The ambulance not far behind the vomiting. The rest was a blur until the ICU, but I do remember some of it. I made the common mistake of equating the symptoms to heartburn or indigestion and should have gone to the ER 10 hours sooner and therefore found myself very lucky to have made it through. The doctors made it very clear to me that I messed up waiting so long and got extremely lucky. Please don't mess around. I'm not an older guy. I'm not in bad shape and had never had indicators that I was high risk. Females symptoms can manifest completely differently as well. A friend's mother passed away a few years ago from a heart attack and by all accounts it seemed to be a stomach bug, nausea, hot spells, and general stomach issues. Went to bed and never woke up. And in hindsight, if I knew then what we know now, we would have called for medical assistance and possibly changed the outcome. She too wasn't at the age you'd expect, nor was she overweight or the typical high-risk category, entirely different from what I experienced or would have expected from a cardiac event. If you suspect a heart attack, do yourself and your loved ones a favor and treat it as such. Better to be safe and be in the ER than be stubborn and wind up in the morgue. Why you should know? It could be you. It could be your loved one. You don't have to be elderly, overweight, or predisposed. Just because it doesn't feel like what you may expect doesn't mean you shouldn't take it very seriously. Now, a lot of people asked initially about how I knew it was an anxiety. I didn't. I've had several pretty overwhelming anxiety attacks. In fact, one that took me to the ER because I thought it was a heart attack, ironically. That was different. This was different. Something was very clearly happening. My mistake was attributing it to the wrong thing and mistakenly thinking I was clear because it didn't look like a heart attack. The other astonishing thing is to look at the ages of other people in this thread who have had heart attacks. 21, 36, 30s, low 40s, and more happens to a lot of people who are in a lower age bracket than we traditionally expect. This is by no means meant to scare anyone, only to serve as a reminder that self-diagnosing or looking for specific symptoms can be quite dangerous. Take care of yourselves. Now, I'll admit a huge factor for me not going was the worry that I'd be that guy who went to the ER because he had a little indigestion. Dumb. Now, my post was removed because I needed a source, and here's the source for the American Heart Association's page on recognizing common symptoms. And I've added that source link in the show notes. I greatly appreciate OP for sharing this because, now granted, I haven't experienced a heart attack, but I do believe that it is something that's helpful to know or be mindful of and understanding what the difference between something that should be taken seriously and something that shouldn't definitely doesn't hurt. So, yeah. Now, down in the comments, user I'm six foot three says, Hi, I had my heart attack almost six years ago at the age of 45. I am a woman, so I would like to remind everybody that heart attack symptoms present differently in women. My source is me. Here is a description of my symptoms. I had been sweeping water off of my driveway the day before. It's relevant later. I woke up that morning with a sharp tightness dead center between my shoulder blades and my back, thinking, damn, I'm out of shape. If I am sore from sweeping water, 
I drove my son to his girlfriend's house, and while I had him locked in the car, we had talked about birth control again and the upcoming prom. The prom gave me high anxiety as I was unemployed at the time, so worried about the cost. I began having signs of an anxiety attack on my drive home. I arrived home safely, thank God. So now my symptoms are tightness in my back, sweating profusely, headache, and I can't catch my breath. Anxiety attack for sure. Hubby thought the same. All day, the anxiety symptoms came and went, increasing in length throughout the day. Around 7 p.m., as we, me and the hubby, drove home from picking our son up, as we are walking in our front door, I am totally lightheaded and spinning. Hubby asked if I was all right. I replied that my arms are so heavy. Hubby said, get back in the car, we're going to the ER. He 100% saved my life. The heavy, tired arms clued him in to heart attack because he had been around his dad when he had his heart attack. The ER didn't hear chest pain, only back pain. While in the triage area, I guess I lost all color in my face as I'm leaning on hubby. A nurse looked at me and said, heart attack. I was processed immediately. Three stints later, I am fine today. There's not much more I can personally say about this. Therefore, I'll leave it to the professionals in this clip. We're back now with that alarming news about what's being called a silent killer. Nearly half of all heart attacks striking victims without the usual symptoms. And without those warning signs, oftentimes people don't even know they're having one, leading to deadly consequences. NBC's Rahama Ellis has details. Two days after Christmas in 2010, Kansas teacher's aide Julie Rickman felt unusually tired and short of breath. She went to the ER thinking her asthma was acting up. But she was shocked by the doctor's diagnosis. He said, Mrs. Rickman, you had a silent heart attack. Um, I immediately thought, what did he just say? And tears immediately ran down my face. An event like Julie's, without any of the classic symptoms and no chest pain, is known as a silent heart attack. And tonight, a new study reveals they're far more prevalent than doctors ever thought, accounting for 45% of all heart attacks. The study also says patients who suffered silent heart attacks are three times more likely to die from heart disease, and women are at the greatest risk of death. Since it's silent, what should you be looking for? Doctors say pay close attention if you have increased indigestion, unusual fatigue, or shortness of breath without chest pressure. If a heart attack is silent, how can someone know for sure that they've had a heart attack? Well, first they need to go to the doctor and then they need to get their heart checked out. This is an echocardiogram that shows us heart muscle function. Since Julie Rickman's heart attack, she's made big lifestyle changes, eating a healthy diet and exercising. I wanted to watch my son grow up, so it was an easy choice. Doctors say, listen to your body and take any warning signs to heart. Rahima Ellis, NBC News, New York. That's it for this episode of Apathy Hour. Thank you for listening and look out for new content in both our podcast and YouTube channel.